0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: Uh, Let's make the most of the opportunity we've got to talk today and as I introduce you, uh, an internationally respected speaker, a consultant, a teacher, an author on the important issues like technology and culture. Uh, Brad, you've worked with universities, with schools, churches, law enforcement, and you've spoken to tens of thousands of people around the world all about the well-used technology tools and the dangers that the growing trend towards technology addiction actually holds. Uh, Lots of good things we can say about you. Uh, We want to talk today about your brand new book. Uh, Your book is called Pornia, and the idea of arming yourself for the assault on our generation. And sometimes I think you've got to shake yourself right. to say that, you know what, something is wrong. How serious is this assault that's either here already or is coming?
2: Right. Actually, what is coming out first is the DVD series called Pranay. And then there's, there'll be a book to follow because a workbook is going to be issued with this at uh, some point very soon. It was a year in the making, uh, this DVD production was. We shot it in Africa, and it all started when a 10-year-old was brought into a very large church in South Africa for porn addiction, severe porn addiction. Now, we knew these statistics were already bad, but this church was very honest about it, and they brought me in and asked me to do a five-part series. And it's the children, really, that has a lot of people worried because they have devices in their bedroom, and we've been screaming for years that parents need to take the devices out of the bedroom, and they simply think, Innocently, that their children will not look at anything bad. Maybe they won't, but pornography will find them. And so now we have uh, a situation around the world where we have an epidemic, and I'm not being hyped. In fact, I will probably withhold a lot of what we know. I'm working, as you know, with the University of South Africa in their Bureau of Market Research in the neuroscience department there in some research projects, both in the brain as well as quantifying what is going on with the pornography. And, Neil, I'm sounding the alarm. with great love, we have a we have a massive problem. And that word "pornēas" is obviously the Greek word. It appears 26 times in the New Testament. It's where we get our modern word pornography. And, and the Apostle Paul, uh, you know, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has quite a bit to say about it. And we have a problem within the church and without the church.
1: When we think of that word uh, pornea, uh, and you say that's where we get our modern terminology there for pornography, mm-hmm. uh, as I understand it too, the broader definition is that of fornication, uh, a word that we don't often hear spoken about much in church, perhaps uh, over many uh, decades and generations that was a, a more significant word, that takes it beyond Uh, the realm of pornography, which for most people is a visual image, perhaps uh, in a magazine, in a book on a screen. Uh, But the idea of fornication that takes it beyond that and takes it into a practical uh, application of
2: uh, this sexuality, these sex
1: drives that
2: we have. Right. We, We have translated that in our Western world as fornication, and correctly so, but it's just one of the meanings. It's a broad term that means sexual perversion, sexual immorality in general. More specifically, whoredom or a selling off of one's sexual purity. No matter what that activity might be, whether it's homosexuality, bestiality, fornication, uh, adultery, any of those activities, that one word covers all sexual immorality. So if you're going to make an—you ex- can't make an exception. I, you know, in our culture now, we have for homosexuality. Even the church has made an exception for that one. And yet I still hear Christians say, oh, you you can't, um, you know— Elevate one sin above the other. They're all equal, but for some reason for that one, they will. But with pornea, it does cover all of the above. And then, of course, the way we have peddled whoredom or a selling off of our sexual purity now in our modern context is through the imagery, um, through the Internet of, of naked bodies and so forth and the act of sexual perversion. And, of course, it gets the hooks in the brain and the net spirals out of control And so, yes, the reason why it appears, I believe, under God's direction 26 times is because even in the Ephesian church, and the Corinthian church, it was a problem back then. The difference is we just have a way to peddle it now where it's in everybody's bedroom, where then you had to go to the temple prostitution or the the prostitution, you know, was done in the temple, and and you'd have to go somewhere to do it. Well, now you just—it's in your bedroom.
1: Uh, The image that comes to mind for me is that of a huge tidal wave. Uh, It's coming from a distance, uh, but it's coming very quickly. And when it does, it will swamp everything that we do. And uh, some will say, well, the tidal wave's already crashed on the shores Mm -hmm. and we are being swamped now. Uh, This idea of preparing uh, to arm yourself... Against the challenges that this tidal wave of uh, pornography, of pornea, as uh, we're talking about all these different broader definitions, how do we arm ourselves, Brad? Is there a simple definition for this is how you arm yourself?
2: It is simple in practice or in theory, I should say, but in practice, it can be a bit more complicated. The The reality is the position that I take in Australia, America and in Europe. I'm getting ready to go to Cambodia tomorrow. Um, Even though that's a third-world country, um, the infrastructure is, is horrible because of past wars and things like that. But the internet infrastructure is pristine. And I'm going to three schools full of missionaries' children, and they have given them devices believing they wouldn't do anything. And that tsunami has hit them. I call it a tsunami. And so you've got missionaries' children in trouble, deep trouble, while their parents are out propagating the gospel. So I'm being brought in to deal with that. But the simple answer, Neil, it has crashed. The, the the wave has crashed over. So now what we have to do is remove it. So we it's available now. It, we're we've tried arming ourselves with saying you know we will put filtering software. We will uh, bring moderation and balance. And we we have these little catchphrases. But the reality is when you look at the statistics, I mean seventy seven percent of born again men are struggling, and um, that that is that's George Barna's statistics. And with the children, here in Australia, the Courier Mail released and reported on the latest research here, 95% of 16-year-olds are struggling with pornography. They're very concerned about the 6-year-olds with the tablets in their hands, and the 12, between 12 and 16, the numbers are off the charts. And we think uh, at the University of South Africa, those of us who are in the middle of a big research project, it looks like – and I don't have the final numbers, but definitely it's looking like the female – consumption of pornography is now almost equal to the boys and so we're we're in trouble and so what we have to do is go back to the scripture and say well what does the scripture say how to deal with sin he says separate yourself that's where we get our modern word holiness come out from among them and be separate says the Lord do not touch the unclean thing and so as simple as swapping out uh, your smartphone with a flip phone if you have a problem I mean it's it's that bad so I didn't say throw the, the technology away, you just let, you don't need the internet, you don't need pornography, but you do need a text message or to be able to get in touch with someone. A flip phone will do. Um, there are things that you can arm yourself with, but we have to stop. Is the point, and so we're we're beyond arming ourselves. The filtering software, the the police that I work with, uh, we call that a roadblock. You should have it, but it's not going to stop anyone. Uh, the kids get around it constantly, and so you have to remove it at its source. And for the Christian community, it should be a much easier process because of our ethic and our morals that we're getting from Scripture. But unfortunately, those statistics, when you look at them, are the same in the world as within the church.
1: Well, I want to invite our listeners to participate in our conversation. Uh, Does it strike a chord with you, the sorts of things that Brad is sharing? Uh, What sort of things do you do in your family that arm yourself and arm your Uh, your husband or your wife and your children uh, from some of these things that we're describing as a tsunami, the tsunami that's already crashed on our shores. What is it that you do? How would you like to contribute to our conversation? What does it mean to you uh, to be a Christian and to pursue, as Brad is saying, a level of holiness? Uh, In times uh, throughout church history, we might be able to identify where there have been new uh, holiness movements people who have decided to turn their backs on those things of their day which have been morally challenging to them. I wonder if there is room for a new holiness movement today. We'll take calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 If you'd like to join our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Brad, if we talk about holiness, sometimes I guess that holiness movement is going to be born out of Revival. Correct. Uh, But we don't have to wait for revival on a national scale. We can have a personal revival ourselves. So tell us about your thoughts on holiness.
2: Well, look, I'm not innocent. I am currently, uh, but I had to have a a holiness movement within myself. I found myself about 25 years ago uh, when the Internet first came out. It was the pornographers that first learned how to monetize this thing. I found myself looking at images and and lusting, and, and I was in ministry even then. And so my conscience got the best of me. And I went to three minister friends, and I confessed it. And the the power of it, as the Scripture promises, broke. I had accountability at that point, my humility. Look, when I say my humility, um, I didn't want to do it. I tried to find words to soften it. I tried, find, but then the Lord just was saying, why don't you just confess it? You just, you did it. So I did. It was hard. It was humiliating, to be honest with you. But I did it, and God lifted me up. Now, here's the problem. Um, those images are still there. And neuroscience that I've gotten into in the last seven years tells us that in three-tenths of a second, those images burn permanently on the brain. So now you're forced with management. And uh, we have children now who, whose brains are in a state of development who we don't know how in the world they're going to cope because the brain's going to continue to develop. you got all these problems. But I had to have a holiness. The point is I had to have a holiness movement, a revelation. But it didn't start with the science. It started with a healthy fear of the Lord. That he was displeased with me and his anointing would lift off of me didn't mean that he would stop loving me, but uh, I would be in trouble with him. And that's what caused me to turn around. That's what holiness is. And the danger, of course, we have to not bring legalism into things. That's why I keep saying I'm not advocating we throw the good side of technology away. But the sinful part, we have to call it for what it is and we have to get rid of it. We're taking calls on
1: 1-800-316-316. Brad Huddleston is our guest. We're talking through issues in his new book called Pornia, Arming Yourself for the Assault on Our Generation. Let's take a call from Rianne in Western Australia. Hello Rianne. welcome along to 2020. Hi, good morning. Yes. Yeah, oh, is it Ryan? Um, is it Ryan? Ryan. yeah. Oh, Rianne. Okay, good. Yeah. Got you, Rian. This. What are your thoughts? Look, um, it's
3: it's amazing to to have someone coming to Australia to come talk about this topic because I personally call it a, a silent killer because it kills so many things in marriage, in in relationships, in and and yet it's it's sort of kept at a distance where you're not something that's not something you'd be proud to talk about and discuss with your family, your wife, and and your church, even your church. So it's it's very it's something that's very near to my heart, and I'm at the moment also trying to get established a, a small group for men that can come out and talk about it. But it's unfortunately, like I say, it's a silent killer, and people doesn't really want to talk. It's not it's not like I've compared it so many times with someone who's an addict, the drug addict. When he comes to the front and admits he's a drug addict, people will applaud him and and and, and support him or her, and, and it's just amazing. But once you get to that point, where you say, and then that's—I just want to confirm—the first thing is to do is to say, "Please help me. I've got a problem." And that's—that's that's so hard for many men to come forward and say,
1: "I have a problem. Please help me." yeah great so, thoughts there. Let's get a response from Brad.
2: Well, you're exactly right. You—you you hit on the 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 topic of addiction, and I deal with the brain science. And you know, I've, I have a book and DVD available through UCB Direct here called "Digital Cocaine," and that. That comes from brain imaging. That's not a metaphor. When you look at the brain images of people whose brains are are addicted to cocaine and you look at people whose brains are addicted to social media and video games, not everyone's addicted, but those who are, uh, those brain scans are identical because the same areas of the brain get addicted. There is a caveat with pornography with the neuroscience. It shows that not only is there a cocaine effect of extreme stimulation, but there's an opiate effect of heroin. And so you've got a double whammy. They call it a poly drug effect. And so that addiction runs much, much deeper. And it's very difficult to get off of that drug. But the good news is you can once you cut the drug off and you get into the appropriate therapies. And I would recommend starting with the Lord. He's the best therapist there is. Rianne
1: from WA, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. Our talkback line remains open. We'll continue our conversation after Vision National News Our special guest is Brad Huddleston. He's live with us in the studio and we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about Pornia. Arming yourself for the assault on our generation. Back After News. Coming up, Afternoons with Tim Long. Stay tuned for the Thursday Throwback, a song from yesteryear that will bring you to 2016 and have a memory and a reminder of a favourite family movie. Do you have one? And is there a classic movie that you've never seen? And I'll have another inspirational, motivational video to... Let's take a call. Robin is in Malakuta in Victoria. Hello, Robin. Welcome along to 2020. 2020. Thank you. Robin. what are your thoughts on our conversation today?
4: Yeah, um, I made a little bit of a mistake. I thought it was about being holy. Of course, it is. Uh, it is, anyway. yes. It is. Oh, that, yeah, that's cool. part of it. Uh, yep, okay. Um, and I just said, um, what does God want? Yes, he wants us to be holy. The Word tells us God is holy and be be holy like our Father. And uh, we can all go, oh, but that's impossible. Yeah, for us human beings it is. But with God, he can do it in us. And it's bit by bit, and do, have I ever made any mistakes? Sure, heaps of them. Um, but that's where forgiveness and coming back to God and repenting and all that sort of thing is just so vital to us getting on better with God and getting getting things more right and correct in our lives. But we don't have to do it. It's the Holy Spirit in us that does it. That's the amazing thing. I mean, sometimes I look at my life and I think, oh, God, why do you even bother with me? But the thing is, he loves us so much that he wants to bother with us. And it's just
1: beautiful. Robin, beautiful thoughts. So your thoughts, Brad, your response?
2: Well, she really um, hit on something very important. We have instantaneous sanctification when we're saved. God graciously looks at us filtered through the blood of his son, Jesus, and then he starts to peel the onion. That's progressive sanctification, and uh, he doesn't leave us where we are, but he does work with us, and as long as we respond, even with our sins, as long as we're responding to him in our little repentances and big repentances, we're good to go. Thank you so much, Robin from
1: Malakuta in Victoria. Let's continue to take some calls. Neville is on the line from New South Wales. Hello, Neville. Welcome along to Twenty Twenty. No, thank you, mate. Neville, what are your thoughts?
5: Uh, mate, I just um, I love what Brad said. Uh, um, he sort of confirmed what the Lord's been showing me. Uh, my thoughts are that we sort of, um, in our mythology, we've we've brought forward a fragmented. Christmen, and in doing so, we've brought forward a fragmented Christ, yet we receive Christ as a whole. Um, we sort of think um, about ourselves, it's better starting with um, the, the fact that God dwells in us individually, corporately and nationally. Um, if we can just get that picture and get that fragmented idea of about the gifts of the spirit and realize that it's the Spirit. Uh, The gifts are by the same and the one and only Spirit. Um, He dwells in us. He will do the work for us, um, in us, um, and through us. Uh, That's my thoughts. Um, The holiness moving, well, there's been some very harsh holiness uh, movements, but if we can get that image of Christ in us, the hope of glory, uh, we will start to understand that we are already holy positionally, um, and he will transform us um, over a period of time. The more we re, the more we respond, as Brad said, um, and also the, the more we receive the truth, because he said, sanctify them by your truth. Um, Good thoughts okay, in there,
2: Neville. Let's get a response from Brad. Uh, yes, and part of that responding, the scripture is very clear, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. The fear of the Lord is largely lost, and so we do have a part to play. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much, Neville, from New South
2: Wales. Good thoughts
1: in there. Let's take an anonymous caller. Hello. uh, Welcome along to 2020. Hi, Neil. Hi,
2: Brad. Good morning. What are your thoughts?
6: Yeah, we just had an experience with my 11-year-old daughter who um, we found out was watching pornography. And, yeah, being a Christian family, it just came as a huge shock. Uh, like your first caller said, I think the silent killer, because we, we just had no idea. And, um, yeah, so it's actually, yeah, touched, touched our lives. And yeah, we sat our daughter down and talked about it and, you know, and talked about how it's, um, portrayed as, you know, sex, but it's not really, it's, uh, it's like one of Satan's lies. And, um, yeah, it's not, between, um, you know, sexes between a married couple and, um, you yeah. know, we just addressed all these things. And, of course, she was um, deeply embarrassed and um, upset. And, yeah, so, I just yeah, I think it's a good good thing you're doing, Brad, so well
2: done. Yeah, well, thank you. And Listen, thank you very much for being very transparent about that. And uh, that is going to be a huge, huge key for a lot of people around this nation listening to him, listening to you say that and be open as a dad of what happened. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the program, we are very concerned that as many girls are watching, there's very a lot of sociological reasons why that is, but they are, is the point. And you know, here in, in Australia, there was a 71 schools involved in a pornography ring, they found out, and then They tried to deal with it, and then about 19 more ended up getting added. Well, those are girls involved in that, just as equal to the boys. And so we're talking about, again, devices in the bedroom. We're talking about devices with the Internet that these children are using. That is the key. And whenever the school or someone says you have to have it to be successful later or to prepare for jobs, what you don't need is the internet. You don't need pornography. You don't need social media. What you might need is Excel, PowerPoint, you might learn how to do databasing, but you don't have to be addicted to all of those other things. And so we have a lot of work to divide out what is legitimate and what is illegitimate use of the technology because the illegitimate use is causing exactly what this precious father just called in and talked
1: about. Thank you so much to that caller, and uh, it's okay to remain anonymous uh, when you have something that you, as you say, Brad, uh, need to be transparent about and you want to contribute to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, keep those talkback uh, calls coming. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 is our number, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Brad, it sometimes feels a little bit harsh mm-hmm. uh, when we're talking about resisting this tsunami, this flood, uh, to just say no uh, to uh, digital devices in the bedroom, uh, setting up that family sort of covenant that you might have about how we use the technology. It just mm-hmm. seems sometimes like, uh, well, we'll just keep on going. We don't think the problem's as bad as maybe, uh, you know, that Brad Huddleston on the radio was <laughs> making out. Uh, but it, it, the the courage that you must have as a parent when, you, uh, are, when it's revealed to you that your children are having these challenges, what do you do?
2: Well... To be honest with you, Neil, what we're finding as we travel around the world, we need a revival of parenting. There's The modality now is to be a friend to your child, and so the parents are afraid to do it because once addiction sets in, the anger sets in, and they don't want that confrontation, and so they'll spend lots of money on psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to treat a cocaine addiction by giving just a little bit of cocaine or backing off on the cocaine, but that's how we treat Digital addiction. Once you've crossed over into digital addiction, we we throw out terms like "oh, we just need moderation and balance," but if you look in South Korea, and as you know, I've keynoted there at Global Youth Forum, they have 200 digital detox rehab centers, and they have children as young as three being detoxed there. Well, when they put them in the de- when it gets that bad that they're putting them in the detox centers, they take the drug away completely for weeks until an anhedonic wall in the brain comes down and the addiction goes away. And we're faced with that in the Western world right now. We're taking calls,
1: 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Tim in Eden's Landing in Queensland. Hello, Tim. Welcome along.
3: Hi, Neil. How are you going?
1: Very well, Tim. What are your thoughts?
3: Um, I just wanted to say, I recently read a book by Jay Plattner. Um It was titled uh, 52 Things That A Wife Needs From A Husband, but there was five levels of addiction that were in there in um, related to pornography. And the last one was the one that I found most interesting was that You can get Christians, whether they're children or adults, that have shunned pornography for years or uh, actually experienced sexual experiences, but it's already all downloaded in their head. So they're still addicted, even though they've shunned the stuff for years, that um, that stuff can still play out in their head and play out in their relationships um, into the future. So um, it's really what's downloaded into the head that needs to be dealt with, even if you've cut everything off.
1: Good thoughts, Tim. Uh, Brad, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, in three-tenths of a second, you can think of the old film, Negatives. That's the burning and imprinting that takes place on the brain, and it is permanent, and so you have to manage it. And what he is actually saying is once an addict, always an addict. We've known that with drug addicts, with alcoholics. Uh, There's not been enough research to confirm that with digital addiction, but because the same area of the brain is affected by all addiction, I think it is safe to say... Once an addict, always an addict, and apply that to digital addiction, including pornography addiction as well.
1: Thank you to Tim from Eden's Landing. Before we take any more calls, uh, just address for a moment uh, here, Brad, the idea that with this particular addiction, some people will be at a point where they say, but uh, but I love my addiction. Uh, Don't try and take that away from me. On the other hand, there is that element or that point where people get to where they say, this is destroying me, this is eating up my whole life, I need to deal with it, how do I do that? I'm now desperate. Uh, talk to those people who uh, at this moment may be actually loving their addiction, loving the idea of pornography, uh, feeling free to do that uh, and they're not at a point where they say, well,
2: this is actually a damaging thing. I think they're being very selfish because when we – often talk about addictions or the addict will say, well, it's only hurting me or as long as it doesn't affect someone else. But the lie is your pornography addiction always affects someone else. It's going to affect your family because you're going to get into a selfish mode in the brain even. We know that you're going to end up getting anhedonic, which means you're going to lose feeling. And so you become selfish and you ignore people because you don't have any feeling uh, toward them. You have a, a numbness that sets in, and that's called anhedonia. And so I would say to them, have some, some decency to say, look, the truth is this is affecting other people. On the other hand, for those who are finally broken and they come before God, the good news is the Lord does uh, forgive us. He does heal us. And the body of Christ, there, there's help available for those who want to get in and confess the sin. And the Scripture says to confess your, salt, your faults and your sins one to another. Why? That you may be healed. So our, our sin confession goes to God in terms of the forgiveness of being restored in a right relationship with God, but then the healing comes through each other, through the koinonia, the fellowship, which is another great uh, you know, word that we use from the Greek, and that's why God gives us the body of Christ. So there is help available. It's just overcoming the pride to actually go get the help.
1: Let me reflect for a moment on what Tim was sharing there, Uh, the idea that it it always stays with you, the imprint that you're talking about, a little bit like that light that hits a negative on the Mm. old film. Uh, The idea of getting to a point where you're in desperation, you want to deal with it, you've confessed this to someone, uh, you've got an accountability structure in place, uh, because it doesn't necessarily go away completely – there's a need for management of how you live your life right. to be able to avoid the entrapment of getting back into that. How do you manage the future?
2: Well, I'll tell you what I've done, um, and this is what I tell people. In my, I have a computer science degree, among other things, uh, so I know what it's like to be horribly digitally addicted. There's no technology in my bedroom. There's a traditional alarm clock, and this is going to sound strange, but I use my bedroom as a place to sleep. And that is restorative. That is so healing. And I used to not, but now you know, and I got fit. So a lot of that time I was spending on all that junk coming in through my eyes. I decided, uh, well, my doctor motivated me to, through blood work, uh, go get fit, and I did. And so maintaining that becomes an issue. So you—that's you, how I've done it. You replace those things. You—you you cannot leave a vacuum. You have to replace it. So you remove the source of the addiction, then you replace the addiction with analog, healthy, godly things. And look, exercise, you might, is that godly? Well, of course it is. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. So however you want to view it, um, and I want to be around to serve God for a long time. I don't think he's finished with you or me or any of us yet. So you don't leave a vacuum, replace it. And the other thing, Neil, that I would really say that's really on my heart related to all of this is that it's progressive, pornography is. So to the person who says it doesn't bother them, physiologically, neurologically, it is progressive, and it only goes one way. The brain has to seek out something novel, and it has to seek out something more – the secular people call it taboo. We Christians would call it perverted. And this is secular neuroscience. And so you don't end up going from heterosexual sex looking at that in pornography, um, and then you you might jump to lesbianism and all these other subgenres that I don't even talk about here. It, it never goes back the other way toward holiness. It always has to progress. And then you talk about brain ruts and porn ruts in the brain. And I would say no matter who you are, there are no exceptions on this planet. It will progress deeper into perversion, and ultimately you'll act out if you don't stop. A quick thought or two about the
1: value of marriage. As you know, there's a big marriage debate going on. Uh, there is a side of that debate that wants to destroy the definition of marriage, wants yeah. to pull that down. But marriage is one of the mechanisms by which we actually manage uh, these, uh, these effects on our, our consciousness, on our brain, uh, this uh, tsunami as we've been talking about it crashing on the shore, uh, marriage is one way of protecting ourselves because we
2: are accountable to our mate. On the one hand, marriage does not cure the pornography problem. So many people say, well, if I could just get married, I won't need porn anymore. That's a lie, so get that straight. Now, what you're saying is also absolutely correct. When you get your thought life toward one partner, And I would say wife, if you're a male, and husband, if you're female. That's where my position is. Um, Once you get your thought life toward that one individual that you are married to, your spouse, and you focus on that and the romance and not the sex part, the sex part will follow. And when you are making love and you're doing things God's way, that is an inoculation toward everything else. But don't think that, well, I'm on porn. If I could just find a, a partner everything will be fine. So you've got to start with a thought life and and, and the covenant of marriage that my, not just my allegiance to this one human being, this female that I'm going to marry if you're a guy, uh, my thought life is also going to be made covenant. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look upon the young maiden with lust. And he was married. So he's keeping his thought life, in other words, toward his spouse.
0: This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
1: Brad Huddleston is our guest. We're talking about a new DVD series called Pornia, Arming Yourself for the Assault on Our Generation. Brad's also the author of a number of books. One of those, he mentioned Digital Cocaine, A Journey Toward Eye Balance, and The Dark Side of Technology, Restoring Balance in the Digital Age. And those books and the new DVD series will be available through Vision Store uh, for those who are interested to get a hold of those. Uh, Brad, we are taking calls. We're running out of time, let's take a quick one. Uh, thanks for waiting patiently. Len from Perth. Hello, Len. Welcome along.
3: Yes, I discovered um, pornography 40 years ago before I was a Christian. I became a Christian and uh, it's been a long struggle since then. Uh, but I went to um, Careforce Life Keys courses, Valiant Man, and then I go to Men's Shed, and Shed Happens, uh, so that's helped me a lot. Um, I don't don't have a uh, the internet in my home. I have one of those talk and text phones, and anywhere I go on the internet, I go to a library, or if I'm working, I go uh, onto the internet during my uh, time off during lunch breaks, that sort of thing. So that's in the public arena, and that's helped me out a lot.
2: Excellent, excellent, excellent advice. I just had lunch with Alan from Valiant Men not long ago, and you're right on track. You're keeping your mind busy with godly things. You uh, But you can tell 40 years ago, it's still a struggle. It never leaves. But you're managing it the way you should. You're walking with God and you're putting the tools in place to do that. And Dr. Alan Meyer, he's got some wonderful resources
1: available too. And look, just to honor you, Len, uh, let's just quickly pick up on And very, very quickly, uh, the idea of men's groups, men's sheds, uh, where men are gathering together. uh, It's not always something that's going to be coming up in a mixed congregation in church, but a men's group, sometimes these issues are are more easy to talk about.
2: Yeah, and in America, I speak nationally for the Iron Sharpens Iron National Men's Equipping Conferences, and I watch men have breakthroughs on weekends on Saturdays and man I'll tell you it just it throws petrol on your fire it makes me want to keep traveling around and speaking because finally we're a little late doing this but finally we're being able to talk transparent like you and I are today men are craving it they come forward and that's the way to do get with men talk about it transparent and watch the holy spirit work
1: thank you so much to len appreciate your call we won't be able to take any more calls uh, let's just uh, focus just for a minute On the new DVD series, Poor Arming Yourself for the Assault on Our Generation, Uh, what are people likely to be exposed to? What are they going to see? Is it going to be a confronting uh, DVD series that you've got here, Brad?
2: Yes, it will be confronting um, because we are confronted with this. Every billboard you see just about has something. Television show has something. So I'm pushing back against the culture uh, on behalf of the body of Christ and on behalf of God and his children. So uh, we just talk honestly, though, but I will say equally so it's filled with compassion and grace because I myself have failed. So the scripture says to comfort those with the same comfort that you have been comforted with. Uh, I had men way back then restore me and show a lot of grace and compassion, encourage me to keep going. And so throughout the series, while I am confronting the issue and it's going to be very raw, the whole theme is restoration. Let's let the Lord clean us out and set us back on a on a rock and keep moving forward.
1: Well, let me tell you, the title of the DVD series is called Pornea, Arming Yourself for the Assault on Our Generation. So if it is your challenge or if you are a parent, And uh, thank you so much to those transparent callers uh, who called in and talked about their own family situations. Uh, Just confirms, doesn't it, just how significant it is, an issue for parents to deal with. Uh, Are you wondering how to get that family covenant set up, how to deal with those things and be courageous, how to be holy? All of those sorts of things that came through in our conversation this hour. Uh, Brad Huddleston, uh, great having you in the studio, and uh, I know you're traveling the world these days. A lot of people are, they have you in demand. You're speaking at conferences, you're speaking to law enforcement agencies, you're speaking at universities. I want to thank you for taking some time to talk to us today
2: here on 2020. It's an honor to be part of this family, Neil. Thank you.